Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. This is brought to our listeners by Hemmings House Pictures and Vision Coaching Inc. Edible Matters, Ripple Effect Music Studios, and Robert Simmons. The best clothing to make you feel and look like Greg and Dave from the Bowling Point Podcast. Com. Robert Simmons, making us look good. Thank you to all of our sponsors that make the Boiling Point podcast possible. Bam. Dave, welcome back to the... Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a sec, David. Didn't we decide not to say welcome back to each other? Uh, like multiple multitude of episodes ago? Man, probably, yes. <laughs> Dave, it's really good to see you. Good to see uh, you, buddy. Good to see you on the Boiling Point podcast. Dave, we've had such an incredible run speaking with... Triple bottom line minded businesses, B Corps. And by the design of this very podcast, this was not the angle that you and I were thinking 130 episodes ago. We just wanted to talk to cool people. But as it turned out, a lot of the cool people are running really cool businesses that are doing amazing things in the world. And a lot of those are really conscious about the impact they're making in the world. And uh, how's it been for you so far, uh, meeting a lot of these these people? Oh, it's been been eye opening, and I think what I'm appreciating is, you know, to your point, we didn't set out in this direction originally, but um, I would say our values, you know, you and I would line up nicely with 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 pretty much all of our guests, and and as and as we learn a little more and maybe introduce the audience to more of this, and you're you're. You know, in terms of if you think of like B Corp and Triple Bottom Line, those concepts of I've been introduced to them through you, but you know, philosophical, it just makes a lot of sense. So you know, so I'm always encouraged by the next guest, and and I know we got a great guest on that would will just illuminate this you know kind of topic even more. Exactly. So Brian Welch, I, I'm going to get bring him in, in a second to introduce himself. He is uh, a publisher of, of magazines, and now uh, has launched Be the Change. Uh, media, uh, which is the magazine that really focuses on the B Corp movement. And this is so exciting, Dave, because uh, the first uh, issue was just launched, but now there's a, a collective voice for, for the global B Corp movement in print form uh, as, as a media machine. And Brian, welcome to The Boiling Point, my friend. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. Yeah, so um, uh, we had the pleasure, Brian, of having you in St. John, New Brunswick just a few weeks ago. And Dave, um, Brian came to speak, be a keynote at our uh, Be the cha- uh, be Inspired uh, chats, B Corp chats at Picaroons oh, nice. a few weeks ago. So he nice. knows St. John. Yeah. We tried to convince him to, to live here. Uh, he said no, but he will come back. Brian, give us a, uh, an introduction to you right back to uh, uh, Mother Earth News. Uh, take, take us to the beginning. <laughs> The beginning is way back, uh, Greg. I'm not sure you want to go back. You're only like 32 years old, Brian. Come on. Uh, Yeah. uh, I've been uh, a storyteller, media professional in various parts of the media business, uh, you know, since about 1977 or so. Um, and so, uh, the, I had a long run running the company that owns Mother Earth News and the Utney Reader and Herbs for Health and the Herb Companion and a bunch of magazines, uh, and websites and related media events. 
about conscientious lifestyles, about um, doing good in the world effectively. That's the thing that united all these brands. And we had an aggregated audience of about, oh, 12 million people, something like that, and uh, several couple million uniques a month on the website. So it was a robust and, and exciting project to, to build that company around, you know, and unifying people around this idea of living lifestyles that are more conscientious and do do the world a better turn than uh, than we're doing on the average. And then a couple of years ago, well, I could go back farther. It was probably 10 years ago that I started thinking, you know, we were having such, we'd had good success talking about topics like this in our media company that I got to think about business as subject matter because business is always, you know, been fascinating to people and we're all or the vast majority of us are involved in business to one degree or another we certainly all we all of us patronize businesses at the very least and so it's a universally interesting topic and i thought well you know business does good in the world how do i how would i build a media brand around that and at the time i found it very difficult to sell the idea because it was very hard to separate genuine commitment among these companies from mere marketing, from, you know, just just ideas that were designed to attract attention. And uh, what I needed was some kind of objective assessment of these companies' performance in this regard. And I had, um, there wasn't anything. And so I kind of set it aside. But I was friends at that time with, with some of the founders of B-Lab. B-Lab did not exist at that time. But these friends of mine started it and started certifying B Corp corporations and created that objective, independent assessment. And so years ago, we started talking about whether there should be a media company focused on this. A couple of years ago, I decided it was time for a professional blood transfusion for me, and I worked my way out of my other company and in January of this year started Be The Change Media, uh, which we uh, generally refer to as B Media, and it focuses on businesses that do good in the world, not just not just B corporations, but any business that's made a deep commitment and is doing actual good in the world is interesting to us, and those are the stories we want to tell. And so, and from what, um, I guess, you know, how do you generally tell the stories? From what perspective? Well, uh, the, the media that we use include the print magazine, mm-hmm. the websites. We have uh, six, soon-to-be-nine um, weekly newsletters, digital newsletters. Mm-hmm. We have events. Um, and video and just anything else we can cook up. We try to tell a story across all media, if that's part of the question. And the perspective, our perspective on the story is basically that there are already thousands of businesses around the world who've committed themselves in a deep way to using business to do good, to make the world a better place, to make people healthier and more prosperous, to improve the condition of the natural environment. And we want to tell their stories. We want to tell stories about concrete things actually happening in the world today that improve the world through business. And so that's our perspective. We're much less, We're not really interested in concepts about doing good in the world. We're not really interested in about aspirations you know, so much as we are specifically focusing on the good actually being done day in and day out. And do you find um, that... That the, I mean, is this what readers are looking? For? Do you, I mean, is there a is there a movement that you're seeing of people interested because they want to learn more about people that are doing some things that are concrete and real? 
so it can help them do the same things or, or to be inspired by it or like, you know, what, what's, what's, what's pulling people uh, and attracting people to, to the content, do you believe? Yeah. I bet the farm uh, on the idea that people would be attracted to these stories and they would find them motivational and inspiring and engaging yeah. because I find them that way. But yeah. when you launch a media brand like this, my own experience is that there's really no amount of market research that is particularly useful yeah. <laughs> because until you know until people actually encounter the stories being told in your distinctive voice you have no idea of the reaction and historically i've built media companies around uh metrics around the numbers and so what we're doing now is is publishing a wide variety of content across all these platforms and measuring people's reaction so that we can then adjust the way we tell the stories and which stories we tell mm. toward the audience's passions. Mm -hmm. And so I, I can tell you very little about what people find uh, interesting today. Uh, today I can tell you a lot about what we find interesting and what we think is going to work. Mm -hmm. um, two years from now, I should be able to tell you a great deal about what people find interesting in this realm um, I certainly could tell you a lot about what people found inter interesting about Mother Earth News and which pieces of content we presented, why, and in what shape and form, because we had had years and years to aggregate those data. Mm -hmm. But right now, we're starting up and using our instincts. I was going to say, it's very intuitive, eh? How, how, how is that? I mean, is that uh, for you well, on a personal of, Sorry? Yeah, it's the old-fashioned way of doing the media, right? I mean, we thought... We always thought we were so smart, you know, about in our editorial decision-making, all those decades I was involved, before metrics came along and showed the degree to which we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I'm not uncomfortable with, I mean, you know, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. And I find these stories fascinating and inspiring and engaging, so I don't have any problem um, enthusiastically putting a lot of it out there. And I'm super interested and excited to find out what really ignites people's passion and draws the audience to us so that we can um, emphasize in those areas. And I guess I guess one benefit is, sure, there's less than 2,000 B Corps in the world, but them plus employees, right out of the gate, you've got almost a baked-in audience, almost. <laughs> yeah, there's... So, so that's sure. pretty cool. There's tens, for getting... of thousands, there's yeah. tens of thousands of people involved in the B corporations. Furthermore, the combined B corporations, if you just add up their social media followers, there are 70 million social media followers of the B corporations. Mm. Wow. Now that, so that's a powerful network, right? We consider that our, you know, that's the, that's the garden we get to work in. Those are the people that we're going to be reaching out to, and, and yes, we're very excited about the potential. This is really cool. Now, l let's change gears for a second. You, you mentioned events, and uh, upcoming, we have the uh, Best for the World uh, event in Berkeley, California, uh, which, uh, Dave, I will be going to, and I promise I'll bring back some good uh, podcast guests for future episodes. Why don't you explain to us what Best for the World is, and even starting with that concept, because we all understand Best in the World. But let's start there and then explain to our listeners what, uh, what this event is and what we're trying to uh, hope to get out of it. Yeah. Well, I might go back a step and just talk about, you know, the business media in general. You know, you have the, if you look at the business media, lists are, have been very important. The, 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 the Forbes 500 and the Fortune 500 and, and the Inc. 500, virtually every major media brand um, publishes a list of leading something from business. 
obviously our realm in this is is companies that do good for the world. And so um, what we have is an assessment of the top 10% of B corporations in several areas, the ones that are best for customers, best for the environment, best for community. And um, when you when we draw that top 10% together across industries and across these categories, we come up with about 500 companies that have that are being honored as best for the world. And it, indeed, it's the it's our equivalent to the Fortune 500. You know, I tell people we saw an opportunity in this in part because the business media has always told all of its stories around the same central myth. And you know, as storytellers, you guys understand what I mean by that. Is you have a certain you have a system of scorekeeping, a value system that's baked into a story. And for the business media, that has been the rapid acquisition of wealth. And everything they do, every story they tell, that's the central sort of skeletal structure of the story. For us, the central myth of the stories we tell is uh, doing good in the world through business. And so these 500 companies represent the ultimate in that, the companies that are doing the most extraordinary things um, in the world and for the world. Uh, so our scorekeeping is basically around, you know, um, how well are their employees treated? How have they created a shared prosperity in the communities they affect? How have they improved the, the environment, the human habitat and the natural habitat and the innovative and creative extraordinary ways they've done all that? And we're going to get together and let a lot of those t folks talk to an audience of a couple thousand people at the University of California, Berkeley and then have a little party and some music and some comedy and a celebration of this um, movement and of these specific companies that have done such extraordinary things. You know, as you're, as you're out collecting stories and, and, and you know, creating, um, I guess, a framework for, for the, you know, this list as an example, is there, is there a, a, you know, a story that you could highlight for us and for our listeners that, you know, maybe like brings it home for you in terms of kind of the importance about, you know, kind of um, business for good? Well, there's a lot of them. Uh, a couple of them I might name off the top of my head. I mean, Roshan is a telecom in Afghanistan. It is, um, I believe, the largest telecom in Afghanistan. It's a mobile phone provider, essentially, mm -hmm. um, that um, has dramatically improved the lives lives of Afghanis, um, increased the number of Afghan people with access to this communication and this information by orders of magnitude, and done so in an environment in which uh, radical forces actively resist this kind of modernization, actively resist the elevation of the rights of women, for instance, who, who make up 20% of Roshan's workforce. And so it's this astonishing company that's created great um, success, both in improving its community, its communities, and in business. And so they're one of the best for world companies, and they're just this fantastic thing. Wow. Um, I might, pardon me. You know, I was just, I was just saying, wow. It's, I mean, you know, I'm thinking of the cultural forces that would be trying to hold a company with values like that down. That's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they you know, one of the liabilities they deal with every day is the bombing of their cell towers. 
<laughs> because the the Taliban actively resists their existence, and um, they have persevered and prospered in spite of that kind of resistance. We admire them. Incredible. Um, I could talk about co- cooperative health care. I'm sorry, cooperative home care associates, which is an employee-owned cooperative in uh, the Bronx that provides home health care of all things and has had has been profitable 27 out of the. Th- I mean, 29 out of the 32 years it's existed. Um, extraordinarily well-managed company providing home health care in some of the poorest neighborhoods in North America at a profit and owned by its employees. And if you visit, you just experience this joyful, extraordinary workplace where um, 90% of the employees are women of color and a big percentage of those are immigrants and they're owners of the business and operators of the business, I think they hold, uh, I think it's six out of eight of the board of directors' seats, and it's uh, and it's a successful business. So that's another, you know, great. That's another example of a best for the world company. Or you, you could you could talk about something as famous as uh, New Belgium Brewing, which is a best for the world company. It's also 100% employee owned. And is, of course, a juggernaut of growth and a huge success in a highly competitive industry that has always made a focus of its business, um, improving the environment, improving its community, and treating its employees really well. Plus, it's, it's one of the funnest – everybody says it's one of the funnest place to work, places to work, uh, you, you know, and you can tell. I mean, you get there, it's just, it's just fantastic for environment and an amazing, uh, fun – bubbly, energetic uh, place to be. And so that's another example of best for the world company. I don't think I made clear. Um, these We have not judged these companies to be in the top 10%. These are all companies that have, have certified as B corporations using the B impact assessment. And their scores are in the top 10% of all companies that certify through the B impact assessment. Okay. That's how they're judged. Yeah, well, it's... Uh... The I, I guess the other part too, Brian, is um, this is available to non B corps as well who take the assessment. Is that correct or no? You can't be a best for the world company unless you certify. Got it. Okay, this is really cool. So the 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 myth or the legend of uh, you know uh, of of being honored in in a place like this it's it's very. It's very attractive to be part of that that legend, you know. So I find this is going to be a real great way to attract know. people into this. As you should know, Mister Best for the World Hemings House. I need to I need to recertify uh, at least once, right? <laughs> right, you do. Yeah. So that, that's January. So let's. But let's I know you'll be in there. I know see, you'll be in there. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> okay. And uh, what's what's your feelings too, Brian? For um, like, like right now, you and I are working on a video together for the event, and in the script we say there's, you know, um, you know, there's probably less than two thousand uh, B corps, but it really is the beginning of a true, truly massive force of of move a movement of sorts. Um, where do you see this going in the next few years? Like, let's say we're at Best for the World in five years from today. Um, well, yeah. there are 40,000 companies that have have taken the assessment but not yet certified. So that's one. Um, that's huge. Yes, that's huge. And so, you know, 40,000 aspiring B corporations. And, you know, it's 
it's not necessarily the be-all and the end-all, as from my own perspective, the assessment itself. I think it's the best measurement out there, certainly the most comprehensive measurement out there, of this goal we have for doing good in the world through business. Um, but it is hard. And uh, as you, you know, a, a very small minority of companies who take the assessment are ready to certify, but there are tens of thousands of aspirants out there. So I see that as a sign of building interest and, build, and, and a movement building. Plus, you know, um, the number of big corporations grew by about 30% last year. Um, wow. Yeah. And it grew 20% a year continuously for three or four years before that. So the growth uh, is both much larger in total numbers and it's accelerating. Um, what I think is happening is a real sea change is, occur is occurring. You know, there was a time in the late 60s when music went from being mere entertainment to being an emblem of people's individual identity and um, a voice for social change. And it happened very suddenly. And I see business at being a very, at a very similar juncture today. Business is not just business anymore. It's an emblem of our identity, where we work, what we buy, what we eat. Um, it's, and it's a force for social change. And it's the most powerful organizer of human energy that there's ever been. Any way you measure it, more people are directly involved in and lending their energy to business than anything else human beings do. It's more powerful than the military. It's more powerful than religion. It's the most powerful organizer of human energy. And we're facing some really serious challenges as a species, and we really need business to help us. We need to use the power of business to help us solve those problems and face those challenges. So I think it's, it's both critical for us as a species, and it is, and, and people understand that. Instinctively, they are putting their support behind businesses that do good in the world. So I see it as revolutionary. I think the world is going to change, and I think business is going to play a huge role in um, humanity's new sense of responsibility and its new conscientiousness, its in its new compassionate view of the planet and humanity in general. We're uh, we're at the end and uh, of our interview today. I mean, and, and I mean, it's kind of the start of actually, actually, Brian. He's kind of bringing together a ton of interviews we've actually had. And yeah, Greg, right. Greg's been introducing me, uh, and and what do you call your my you're my ambassador to, to yeah, I'll yeah. be part of that growing uh, that thirty percent that's that's jumping on with my coaching company. That's right, Brian. I, 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 I've been evangelizing uh, uh, Dave because for his uh, coaching company, Vision Coaching, yeah. is he he lives the B Corp one hundred percent, and I haven't once said become one. Instead, I've invited a million B Corp people to be guests on our collective podcast, <laughs> knowing that well, sometime exactly. he's going to do it. And when you think about it, that's exactly what you know. You and I both do, Greg, in our businesses. So we tell these stories, not as, not as evangelists for certification, but as evangelists for businesses doing good in the world. And that brings people into the fold because 
it's just so fun and so cool to be involved with something like this. Absolutely. And, you know, and I was just kind of going back to the earlier in the interview where I was saying, you know, just, I wonder who's, who's, who's reading and listening and consuming. And I, I, you know, my, my intuition would say it's people that are, are ready to embrace it or have, and, and, and want to learn more and, and, you know, and, and, um, you know, kind of lessons learned and best practices and all these, and, and you know, it's inspiring. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and just, I mean, can I say one, can, do I have time to say one thing? Yeah, about of course. Yeah. I think it's super important. Sure. Uh, in my, just this is just anecdotal, but if I, as I look around the community of B corporations, I would say about a quarter of them are led by people who are um, evangelical Christians. And I only say that to illustrate the great unifying power of business. Business doing good in the world, making the environment more healthy, making people more prosperous, um, sharing assets more evenly is something every conscientious person is behind, and that's a huge percentage of humanity, and it is nonpartisan. It's not it, – it, it doesn't belong to any particular religion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't belong to any particular philosophy. It is a universal good, and I think that's part of its enormous power. Well said. Um it, so, but actually, so be, but the other th- and one more thing I just wanted to ask you is, um, uh, and and it's kind of it's it's changing gears here in a big way. But um, in closing, um, I would just out of curiosity would love to hear what your experience of coming. And it sounds like you've traveled the world and you've 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 um, you know you've met you know these companies doing these great things and um you know heard many of these stories you're a collector of stories what was the experience like coming to new brunswick and uh and interacting with uh, a fine soul like uh mr greg hemmings oh, forget and, about me let's just talk about the good beer that we drank and, at and, and drinking good beer and being you know i just just you know, just love to get your perspective you know um the maritimes the canadian maritimes are in general this extraordinary reservoir of highly competent and conscientious people. It's, there are a few places in the world I visited that have those resources in such abundance in a setting that's largely wilderness. So what I find fascinating about the Maritimes is it's a rugged coast, relatively hard to get to, relatively remote. Most of the land mass is wilderness. And yet in the communities you find intellect, you find coherent communities of people actively supporting one another. You find innovative businesses and artists and musicians and just a kind of a paradise of culture. And I mean culture not so much in the bohemian sense, but culture in the sense that it supports its citizens well and provides them with rich lives. And so my own assessment of New Brunswick in particular and the, um, the Eastern Maritimes of Canada uh, specifically uh, in general <clears throat> is just that you're extremely fortunate to live in a beautiful natural environment relatively unspoiled with lots of extraordinary natural resources and, and at the same time be surrounded by highly conscientious, compassionate, cultured people doing interesting things. Uh, there are relatively few places in the world that can offer that combination. I um, congratulate you, and and, and um, I, I think you've got it good. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate you saying that. As as a Maritimer, we've got this, you know, this weird, not-so-healthy humility that um, we need to hear it from the outside uh, about 
the the benefits that we have. We believe outsiders. We don't believe ourselves, and that's a that's a common theme out here. So hearing that is uh, is is really uh, awesome to hear, Brian. So thank you for that. And you know what? You really did inspire that room. And uh, for our podcast listeners, we will be releasing the the be in, uh, the be relevant talks that we filmed at Pickerons that, that Brian spoke at. Uh, we'll be releasing that sometime in the near future, maybe even whenever this podcast gets released. So we'll put that into the show notes as well. Uh, Brian, best way to encourage people to uh, get in touch, but uh, even more important to subscribe uh, and get a uh, subscription? Uh, be the change.com. Easy as and that. And that's the letter B, not the word. So the letter B, the change.com. That's perfect. And Brian? We look forward to Seeing you all there. This is good. And I'll, I'll be seeing you in California. And if you are there and if you say, Greg, here's five or six people that have to be on the boiling point, just give me an introduction and we will make it happen. <laughs> That'll be fun to direct some folks your way and to listen to your conversations. I, I enjoy it. the show and uh, it's been great to be with you guys. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, super dynamic human being, and uh, I've seen I've seen him spoke speak in front of large audiences at, at the Champions Retreat and other places, and a true icon in the publishing world too. Like big, big numbers that his previous uh, magazines uh, were able to gain. Incredible, incredible. So it's a it's a real luxury to have him in this movement, like really moving this thing forward. I I you know what I enjoyed was uh, him speaking so you know, candidly or authentic and authentically on, uh, um, you know, using intuition and, yeah. uh, you know, not, not exactly sure what the appetite is. But you got to start somewhere. Otherwise right. you'll never start. But, you know, a lot yeah. of people would give you a canned answer or they give you some bullshit. Right. Yeah. And I, so that's, that's cool. Like I, and, and then, uh, and, and, and just, um, you know, you can tell a real storyteller, like, I mean, the way he tells about the, the um the 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 company and uh, the wireless company in Afghanistan or you know the home care company in in, in um, New York which I actually am familiar with believe it or not I've, I've read about it somewhere I'm pretty sure it's the same but I mean you know just can articulate it so well mm-hmm. eh? in a way where you're going Jesus like that yeah how do we how do we get more of that you know so and it's a great magazine by the way I feel well. bad that I missed the talk man yeah jeez yeah well. I thought I thought I'll I did a pretty to... good job uh, uh, promoting it, but I probably didn't specifically call you and say tell you to come. No, I think you may have at one point say you showing up, and I just had something else going on. But um, had I, anyways, it was my, packed. My, it my was loss. the uh, Pickaroons, which is also a B Corp uh, microbrewery. Um, they you know never had as many people in that space than that night. I tried to get in, and I couldn't get in. Now that I remember, that's right. Too many people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, Greg, you know what? We have the luxury of doing this podcast, which we've enjoyed for 130-odd episodes. Um, and the reason we're able to do this is because we've got these great companies supporting us. Um, a couple we should mention. One I'm a big fan of, Hemmings House Pictures. And uh, that's your company. Thanks, Dave. And it is great work. Uh, you just got to go and check out their website to see it. Um I've actually used you guys a number of times to do a documentary, do a corporate video, and uh, so it's accessible to small and large businesses and wonderful at helping um, business tell story and, and movements, to, you know, help shaping story around, you know, wh- what's happening in the world. So thank you 
to HHB. Well, I, I'd like to say thank you to one of the, the Hemings House team members, uh, Tim Davidson. And we're actually in his his uh, other company's studio right now, Ripple Effect Music. So uh, Tim is yet another community-minded person who is essentially donating his studio, uh, the studio that we use at Hemings House to make all of our films sound good. Um, so he's a part of this. Another really important uh, person uh, is Matt, uh, Matt Weber. Mm-hmm. And he his company is uh, Edible Matters. It's an incredible restaurant out in Hammond's uh, Plains outside Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's the one that edits this, all, this, all this stuff together, puts our show notes together, and uploads these podcasts every single week. And then going back to my good friend who I'm looking at right now, Dave Vale, the big guy with the biggest muscles I've ever met in my life, who also, Dave, you um, you have to know that without you in the early days of me shaping Hemings House, I probably wouldn't have created Hemings House. So um, Vision Coaching has helped so many companies and entrepreneurs find their coach approach and create companies that actually can make the change in the world that they want to see. And uh, so Vision Coaching... Uh, and uh, everything that you bring to the table, bringing Kim uh, in as well to help us make this podcast a, a success. We say thank you so much. And the great news, the other night, a few weeks ago, you and I bumped into a previous podcast guest, Mr. Paul Simmons himself. Why don't you tell our, our listeners about our, our newest gold sponsor for our podcast? Yes, Robert Simmons is a fabulous place, um, well-known to people throughout New Brunswick, but also um, you can shop there online, men's and women's clothing. And um, uh, Paul Simmons, who is, uh, I I mean, I think they've been going on 20 years now, the founder of the company, um, brings the customer experience to a whole nother level. I say that because I shop there. um, You know, if you were to say, Dave, you look really good wearing that particular suit, um, I would say, well, thank you. And I would have to credit Paul and his staff, which is fabulous. And it's it's an incredible experience. You've had it before shopping there. Um, I look great. Look at me. And and what's the experience like? What are they? You you walk in the door, you literally get asked if you'd like to have a, a glass of scotch or an espresso. And that's the beginning of the experience. And you walk out with a new set of clothes that makes you feel like uh, feel like a well-dressed man or woman, depending on uh, on what you are as you walk into this incredible place. They have an incredible uh, magazine that they publish, I believe, quarterly. And uh, the next one's coming out, the fall issue of 2016. Um, they always, what we enjoy, and I think what aligns us with what, what Robert Simmons does is, is they make a point of, of covering interesting, um, often uh, business-minded, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, um, community leaders in their publication, and they believe in promoting local. And it's coming out soon, and we have the good fortune of interviewing some of the people in the, uh, in the September issue. Coming up, so uh, robertsimmons.com. And uh, yeah, so that's great. Thanks to our sponsors. And if anybody else uh, in, the, in the podcast sphere is interested in helping us uh, push our Boiling Point movement forward, be in touch. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com 
and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.